0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. It's the time of year obsessive behaviors seem to occur with increasing frequency. Ever find yourself checking and rechecking your stove to make certain it's off? Perhaps dozens of times? Is this just behavior or is there something more significantly going on? I spoke with Adam Radomsky, professor at Concordia University and editor-in-chief of the Journal of Behavior Therapy and Experimental Psychiatry. Have a listen. Ever found yourself standing in front of a stove, checking and rechecking and checking and rechecking and checking and rechecking to make sure the thing is off? And you're out the door, you're halfway down the street, and the thought pops into your mind, did I, did, is it really off? And you turn around... You go back to the house and you check, and you maybe repeat that several times. There are all sorts of behaviors that are compulsive and obsessive. Professor Adam Radomski joins me on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network, Concordia University in Montreal, editor in chief of the Journal of Behavior Therapy and Experimental Psychiatry, and the website is the Anxiety and Obsessive Compulsive Disorders Laboratory. I almost got that out. Professor Radomski, how are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm I'm fine. I, I thank you for joining us to talk about this. It's it, it it's well. Let me let me start. How many people do you know? What the percentage of the population is that has some level of obsessive compulsive behavior?
1: Oh, you've worded that in a really interesting way. Um, Some level of obsessive compulsive behavior, I would guess that that number is pretty close to 100%. I'm going to say somewhere over 90%. But but if you had asked me what percentage of the population has obsessive compulsive disorder, that number is much closer to 2% uh, or about 700,000 Canadians.
0: Okay, so describe the, uh, separate the two for us, please.
1: So um, that's actually, that's an important question. So we all have Um, strange bizarre thoughts that pop into our minds once in a while Um, the the classic categories of those are uh, aggressive thoughts so the urge to do something harmful um, blasphemous thoughts so unacceptable thoughts of a religious nature or sexually repugnant thoughts um, uh, that pop into our head urges or pictures of things that that uh, most of us brush off but they're fairly universal Um, and on, and and those are intrusions, uh, and they can become obsessions. Um, and probably almost all of us engage once in a while in something that might look like a compulsion. So just as you said earlier, checking to make sure the stove is off or that the door is locked or that you've done something properly, um it's only when those thoughts or behaviors become problematic that we would start talking about whether or not someone has a disorder and how do you know if it's problematic what basically has to check one of two boxes it either has to be incredibly distressing so it has to cause a great deal of anxiety and guilt and shame and distress uh... and or it has to interfere significantly with your life so um... has to stop you for example from getting to work on time or leading a productive life or uh, in some very severe cases, it stops people from leaving the house or even from getting married and
0: having kids. All right. So would you then be, uh, would you look at the 2% who have the obsessive-compulsive disorder um, issue? Are they the ones who would be treated or treatable? And the other 90% who manifest some, I guess I can maybe I can use the word, more benign form of obsessive behavior? And they would just be left alone because it's just part of who you are.
1: Well, I think um, you know those of us who provide uh, treatment to people with OCD, I think would treat anyone who wanted help. Um, I think if, if it's not getting in the way of your life, you probably don't want to change it. Yeah. Um, I think for people where it does cause a great deal of distress or interference, those people are desperate for care. So those are the people we're much more likely to see in the
0: clinic. Uh, when you say negatively affect your life, it, you might be negatively affecting someone else's life. Like if you're the person who always has to, it always is in doubt whether you lock the front door, for example. You don't, you don't, you know you did, but you don't know that you did. So you eventually you get into your vehicle, and I've heard of this happening, and you drive some considerable distance, and the thought that the door may not be locked becomes so overwhelming that you return. Now, it's something that you may just write off as, yeah, I do this periodically, but for your family or for people who are in the vehicle with you, that becomes a really considerably annoying experience, and over a period of time, that could affect a relationship very significantly, couldn't it?
1: Absolutely. And OCD doesn't just affect the individual struggling with a problem. It affects friends, family members, other loved ones, for sure. I think, though, the threshold at which something becomes upsetting Usually, is very similar for the individual as it is for the family. So, if someone does that once a year, um, drive a half hour, turn around, drive back, check them. I mean, the family will probably roll their eyes and say, "Okay, here we go again." But if that's happening every day or multiple times a week, um, then I think it's going to be much more than an eye roll. I think that that's a scenario where uh, it'll be quite a problem for both the individual and family members. It does happen where. Uh, Someone will be consumed by what looks like a lot of compulsive behavior, and they'll be fine with it. Um, And often that's where we start to talk about a slightly different problem, obsessive-compulsive personality disorder, where someone believes that it is right and proper for me to check the stove for an hour before I move on to the rest of my day. We don't see a lot of anxiety uh, when people believe that they're doing the right thing. Um, And in those cases, it does tend to be much more upsetting for family members and loved ones than it does for the individual.
0: Are there many people who have multiple obsessive behaviors, like the door, the uh, the uh, the stove, uh, perhaps some some other, you know, all the windows closed? I don't know if I, I, you would not you know, would have a better idea of what the examples might be. But are there significant numbers of people who have who have multiples of issues that recur?
1: Yeah, I think often if you're the sort of person who would doubt something, whether it's the safety or security of something like a door or a window, one of the other very common compulsions has to do with contamination concerns. So, uh, you know, maybe you you tend to keep things excessively clean or you spend a lot of time washing your hands. Uh, We do know that if people are likely to engage in one of those, that they're more likely to engage in more than one of those. Um, But again, I think the same thing applies. You know, there there are... there it's, it's pretty common that you know you you stop at a gas station somewhere the bathroom's pretty disgusting, and so you wash your hands longer than you would otherwise, and maybe later in the day you wash them again. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a pretty normal experience. Um, but if you're doing that for hours a day, every day, that's when we start to talk about a pathology. but But I think in answer to your question, if you're more if you're inclined to doubt yourself about one thing, you're probably likely to doubt yourself about something else.
0: Can you stay with us a couple of minutes longer? Of course. Okay, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll talk some more with Professor Adam Radomski from Concordia University about this issue of uh, obsessive-compulsive behaviors. And I'll open the phone lines for maybe 10 or 15 minutes. And uh, if if there's something that you do that's benign, but, you know, you're, just, you're okay to talk about it and the impact it has on your life, yeah, we'll take some phone calls. I used to be the stove guy. Really, I would stand in front of the stove and I'd just go off, 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 off. And it almost became hypnotic. Off, 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 off. It's off now, Roy. You can leave. Off, 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 off. That's the only one I had. And that's gone now. But for a while, yeah, just check them. They're off. They're off now, Green. Get out of here. We will come back and we'll talk more with Professor Adam Radomsky. And what you do, what does the treatment consist of? For people who have obsessive compulsive behavior issues that actually require medical uh, assistance. What are some of the treatments that you might employ for someone who has? If I were to come to you and say, look, uh, fairly benign, but I can't get away, I can't leave my stove. I'm, I'm standing there for extended periods of time just checking to make sure the thing is off. What would you do for me?
1: Well, I would first of all tell you that you have a choice. There are two kinds of treatments that work for OCD. The first one is a medication-based approach, and the class of medicines that work there is antidepressant medication, uh, often at a much higher dose than is prescribed for depression. And I might send you to see a psychiatrist to help you wow. figure out which which one is right for you. Um, or I, I would offer you the treatment that that. Uh, I'm biased towards that I prefer because I'm, I'm a psychologist and it's, it's the one that we do pretty well called cognitive behavior therapy, where we would take a look at those behaviors and we would take a look at the things that you were thinking and maybe what you believe about the stove or things that you weren't quite sure about, uh, and we would help change um, the way that you think, that's the cognition in cognitive behavior therapy, and we give you some strategies to help change your behavior, to, to help you reduce that checking over time uh, and what you would find over time is that the the treatment is likely to be very effective, that, that uh, we, t- we tend to be quite helpful for about two-thirds of people that come okay. to us.
0: And you can outgrow it, obviously, because I, I don't remember when it started with me. And we, in our, our little studio crew of three here, we've all said to each other, "Yeah, we have our own little behavior issues or, you know, the, the, like, like checking the stove or something like that. I don't do it anymore, so just spontaneously it stops. Spontaneously it started and then it stopped. So. Uh, you you that obviously can also um, be part of the picture. They can come and go and
1: they can change over time. i th- I think what the research tells us is that if the problem becomes uh, extreme or severe, it is unlikely to go away on its own. So if the problem is mild, it's you know a few minutes here and there, um, that may fade in and fade out. It may worsen during times of stress or other other difficult times in your life, and it may get better and it may disappear completely. But typically, once those behaviors take up over about an hour a day, they're unlikely to get better on their own, and we do recommend that people seek out help for that.
0: Okay, somebody just sent me an email (laughs) and said, just leave the stove on. Well, sometimes
1: that's a part of the treatment. Uh, Sometimes we do encourage people to leave the stove on, Um, and and I have done that um, accidentally Uh, and come home and and found that it's been on all day. Um, And, um, you know, it's it's not something I recommend doing every day because you waste a lot of electricity uh, or gas, depending on what what kind of stove you have. But in fact, it's it's not as dangerous as it sounds. And so I think people who are checking the stove because they're worried about a fire um, would often be surprised that you can leave the thing on for quite a period of time without any danger.
0: But we wouldn't Uh, recommend that. Not typically. We wouldn't recommend uh, it. No. I just think there's a comedian in every crowd, right? So that's why I got that email. Professor Radomsky, thank you very much uh, for the time. And now folks know how to get in touch and uh, what they can do if this is really something that is troubling them. Thanks again. Thank you. All the best. Professor Adam Radomsky from Concordia University. The webpage is com, where you can uh, subscribe to the podcast or any place where you subscribe to podcasts. Just... uh, do that Antonio sends an email my wife freaks out if somebody gives her a quarter and change then she asks for change for the quarter all right what kind of obsessive and compulsive behaviors have you experienced or have you seen there are the people who must vacuum their houses Their carpets have to be vacuumed in a perfectly straight line and if there's any deviation from the straight line bad things happen. Ron, in Burnaby, British Columbia, you got got in early. Ron, thank you for the call, sir.
2: Oh, yeah. Good morning, Roy. Um, anyways, uh, first of all, because uh, we've never spoken, and uh, all I ever do is send you bullets up the line uh, from your production people uh, at Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, uh, you set me off with the stove. Okay. Uh, I... I am a drinker, and uh, one thing I make sure of, every single day when I go out to work, I go back and check the stove, because uh, I, I heat my coffee on the stove, uh, cowboy style, okay, and I always go back after I load my truck, and I check the stove and the door every single day
0: so now you've, you've, you've turned it off you know you've turned it off you know that you're going to go to the truck and you know that you're going to go back to check the stove again
2: yeah well uh, three times this year guess what it the was door on wasn't locked and the stove was not off
0: are you just trying to justify the behavior by doing that just joking.
2: no I'm just being safe
0: Yeah. and
2: yeah. Uh, the other behavior I do is uh, uh, even if it's only for 30 seconds any equipment I'm not using I chain it up. it drives the workers with me
0: crazy no doubt,
2: no yeah, doubt. But,
0: but, any any idea yeah, what started that?
2: Well, oh yeah well it's just a safety thing because uh, uh, in the Vancouver area yeah uh, you know uh, I guess they call it Metro Vancouver now um, uh, there have been instances where people will just walk off with stuff
0: right. I don't think I don't think there's any geographical uh, restrictions there, Ron. I thank you for the call from Burnaby, British Columbia. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Melodies in Winnipeg. Hi, Melody. I'm um, hi. How are you?
3: Hi. Uh, good.
0: So, what's uh, what's the situation and uh, compulsive and obsessive behavior for you? Well,
3: I well I have a obsessive compulsive disorder, but it's been under control for quite a few years. Okay. Um. I developed it when my daughter was born. I found out that when you give birth, (laughs) apparently um, you can develop it then. And uh, when my daughter was a baby, I used to uh, check that the the door to her bedroom was locked because I I mean closed because I had a cat, and I heard that cats when they they could uh, suffocate your baby.
0: (laughs) A lot of things can happen psychologically, or do happen to many people after childbirth. Right, we yeah. know we know that, that that that's the case. So you your your thing was make sure that the door to the baby's bedroom is closed.
3: Yeah, but then um then as, when my daughter was a bit older, I used to check, I was a checker. I checked the stove, I checked the that uh, the door was closed, I checked that um, I had a thing where I checked that the light was off and my daughter now she's my daughter's 35 now. and She has this whole routine that oh i had a light show every time i went to bed at night because i'd turn the light off and on yeah
0: melody what did you think might happen if you didn't check
3: well it wasn't that it wasn't that something would happen it was like it had to feel right like the checking that light and um it had to feel right it's just yeah
0: yeah no i understand and i thank you for the call from manitoba to edmonton and rob hey rob go ahead sir thanks for the call
4: oh thank you uh yeah, so I my thing chronic internet usage, and I, I've spent thousands of hours on YouTube watching documentaries from like tiny house movement to uh, you know recent like uh, comedy videos have been viral and then just non nonsensical stuff right rather than having constructive uh, use of my time where I can you know I'm I'm, I'm a credit plumber. And uh, if I spent half the amount of time in my books for my apprenticeship, as I had on YouTube, I'd be a journeyman at this point.
0: (laughs) So any idea how that started and why it happened? Uh, And is it, is it, it, it has to be YouTube then?
4: Yeah, YouTube, you know, the thing with the internet, you can get, you know, thousands of gigabytes of information. Right. You know, instantly. And so it doesn't. And it's, I, it's almost like a part of it is the rush of the information.
0: Yeah, but it, but for but for you, does it specifically have to be YouTube online, or do, do you go to other sources as well, or is it always YouTube?
4: Well, I think YouTube is one of the main sources, right. and then you know, you got uh, social media. Like, so would
0: you say that's compulsive behavior or or, or an addiction, and maybe it's the same thing? Maybe they're I guess they're related. Well,
4: I think, yeah, I think it's. It is. It's compulsive. It is addictive.
0: Right? Yeah. You know, how come well, people
4: uh, spend so much time texting when you got people right in
0: front of them? Yeah, yeah. Rob, it's like walking down the street anywhere in Canada. If you're walking down the street in any city or any community, you're going to find people who are walking towards you or walking alongside you or somewhere outside. And what are they doing? They're staring at their phones. Precisely. They're staring yeah. at their phones. They have very yeah. little idea of what's going on around them because... Their behavior is obsessively directed toward their phones. Thank you for the call, sir. I appreciate it. There's, there there's so many behaviors that people pursue, people do on a daily basis. And, you know, it's, I, I mean, you have to know, as I did, the, the stove is off. I know it's off. I've checked it off and off. It's off. I don't do that anymore. I don't have any of these behaviors that I can think of.